Thank you for downloading the Wings Museum podcast. 80 years ago today, on Saturday the 17th of April 1943, the residents of Guildford witnessed an unfortunate collision between two RAF Mustangs, an incident that caused the deaths of the two pilots, Dirk de Kretzer and Philip Price. First thing this morning, I met with historian and writer David Rose, who you may recall I also spoke to a few years ago, on the 75th anniversary of another crash in the Guildford area, that of Lilybell II. After a short walk visiting some of the remaining Dragon's Teeth anti-tank defences and an air raid shelter on the edge of a recreation ground, David and I turned towards Stoke Park. Right, we're back up uh, on Recreation Road. We're coming back up to Stoke Road. Anyone following on a map? Uh, roundabout, a little roundabout in front of us. Again, with all the traffic, it's that time of day still. <laughs> and uh, what we're going to do is walk through the car park for the college to get to Stoke Park and uh, to talk about uh, the Mustangs that crashed. Now, as we're sort of crossing this road, one of these houses actually got hit by part of the planes, didn't they? Or plane? Yeah, yeah, not to... Uh, we'll keep the, the meat of the story for a little yeah. bit further, but the debris that came out of the sky, it seems, uh, from what the local newspapers reported at the time, hit one of the houses there. And uh, I know another story from a, a gentleman who, when we appealed for information back a long, long time ago now for the, the book that Graham Collier and I wrote, he said he was cycling along this bit of Stoke Road and this piece of, uh, he said something like a wheel or a dynamo came out of the sky and it, and it bounced on a telegraph wire and boing and it off went somewhere else. So yeah. it's, uh, for the people who witnessed uh, this event, it must have been absolutely horrific, really. Mm, right. and, and it was something that certainly 20 years ago, when, as I say, Graham Collier, my editor at Surrey Advertiser, and I wrote Guildford the War Years, 1939-45, it was something that certainly uh, people were still talking about then. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we asked for information and a lot of people suddenly said, yes, I remember that. And here we are now, uh, I suppose, 2023. Fewer people still around will remember it, you see. Yeah. And, but presumably when you were asking, let's say back in 2000 for the sake of round maths, yeah. you know, presumably the people that you were asking were still people who were children at the time. Oh, absolutely. And, well, adults, really. Oh, they were, they were, yeah, yeah. They were just because, adults, really. because one of the... I knew about this, a little bit about it, because yeah. my dad, again, had talked to yes. me about it. So <laughs> yeah. he was uh, in his early... He would have been 22 at the time. All right. And certainly uh, <coughs> witnessed um, and came up here, like many other people did, to see where the actual parts of the aircraft came down and, yeah, indeed, yeah. the two pilots. So there was still a, a fascination in these things... Uh, for the locals when things did happen? Oh, I think so, definitely. It was, uh, again, uh, a chap called Ray Tunnell was another one of an eyewitness. He was on Woodbridge Hill in Guildford and said, we had to go and investigate. That's yes. what we did. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. that's what boys did. They yeah. got on their bikes um, and they went off to see what the, what the hell it was. And I guess youngsters would be... Uh, today, in, in, in a way as well, would be interested in yeah, something... Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, these days it would be to go and get a photo for Instagram, but uh, yeah, absolutely. then it would have been yeah, to have gone yeah. to pick up a bit of uh, metal that fell out of the sky. And get your uh, bit of souvenir yeah. to, to, to take home, certainly. Well, presumably, the, the immediate reaction wouldn't necessarily have been 
you know, even that's two of ours, it would have been uh, two aircraft in, or an aircraft has crashed. So you wouldn't know whether it was a British one. Uh, uh, I guess not really, yeah. no, no. That, that's uh, because, uh, uh, again, with press restrictions at the time, of course, if it was a German aircraft that was brought down, um, yeah. that would be reported yes. because it was, it was <laughs> all good boosting. for the morale yeah. boosting. Absolutely, yeah. Right, so we, we've come away from the uh, slightly more ornate gardens and we're in... Well, it's, it's a bit of field that the uh, Surrey County show is on. <laughs> it was, yeah, as, and I say was because uh, uh, Surrey County Agricultural Society essentially doesn't exist anymore. Oh, um, the, uh, the pandemic um, put pay to them, so oh. there won't be a, a Surrey County show here. There hasn't been since 2019, and it doesn't look like there's going to be one, uh, certainly in for the foreseeable future. Oh. Also used for music festivals. Yes, yes. There's sports pitches here. Uh, my daughter <laughs> learned to ride her bike. Yeah, <laughs> well used by the local community. Absolutely, yes. <laughs> but that side of it, that half of it, which I mentioned as we're walking towards now, um, which was cultivated for uh, allotments uh, during the war. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a large open space. Um, we've got an oak tree on the left here, which sort of stands pretty much on its own here. And this is uh, certainly, we're getting to the point... Uh, where, from what, again, I've been told, and what somebody remembers, was where the debris from these two aircrafts landed. So would, would now be a good place to stop and sort of talk us through exactly what happened then? Absolutely. We are, of course, here on the, uh, the 80th anniversary of this disaster, really, and what essentially there was, it was, it was two P-51 North American Aviation Mustangs. Yep. And they were part of 239 Squadron, and they were flying from Gatwick, and it was a training exercise. And mm. I, I guess, you know, I, I like to think, um, again, trying to think back in what it would have been like at the time, uh, people here in Guildford, and of course many places, of course, would have seen aircraft movements all the time, wouldn't they? And they probably wouldn't have known whether it was, it was actually combat or whether it was training, but it was a training exercise. And sadly... In this exercise, there were three, according to eyewitness reports, there were three of these Mustangs flying around here, and two of them collided. Mm. And uh, people said, again, said to me that they think that the, the, the pilots were having a bit of a game or something like that. Whether a, that, a, a, a yeah, dogfight training. A training, something, yeah, something like, like that. that yeah. Of course, these were, certainly the two men who died were very young. One was 22 and one was 20. Mm. Um, and when you're young, you don't have fear, do you? I think many people don't at that age. It's a generally assume that. And presumably, particularly in a training exercise, yeah. it's not quite the same level as if you really did feel there was an enemy Absolutely, there. Absolutely, yeah. that's right. And again, uh, they were probably inexperienced as well. I, I, I sort Couldn't of be much more at that age, could they, really? No, yeah. and yeah. that. And so somewhere overhead of where we're standing, the two planes collided. Um, because it was... Uh, an accident as such, and it wasn't actually combat activity, the local newspapers were allowed to report it. Mm. And we're quite fortunate because they do report it in, in quite good details. We had two newspapers then, the Surrey Advertiser and the, the Surrey Times. And it seems to have taken place at about during about the middle of the day. So there were people in the, in the park here, around the boating pool, people obviously coming in and out of town and that. So uh, lots of people saw it. And it was a Saturday. I mean, it was, it was a day was, when everyone was around. it was a Saturday as yeah. well, that's right. And... 
put in a bit of context about it, my, again, because of my interest as a, as a youngster talking to my parents about what happened during the war, where did the bombs fall, you know, was there this, was there that, you know, my dad mentions this crash. And he, again, like so many younger people, he was, let's say, 22 at the time, mm. came here because there was certainly in the grass here, there were impressions of the two pilots that died. By the mm. time, of course, he got here, they, their bodies would have been taken away. And that, I think, also uh, affected people. Yeah. When we were compiling our book, one of the things were we, of course, used the columns of the newspaper yeah. to appeal for information. <laughs> and we we said, did anyone remember the two Mustangs crash? And, of course, a flood of people came back to us. And, again, uh, in several cases, it was remembering, seeing the impressions in the grass of, of, of the bodies there. Mm. Uh, the Surrey, Just what the Surrey Advertiser said, this was published a few days later on April the 24th, 1943. It says, the engine of one aircraft crashed through the roof of a house and fell into the basement. The house was Rothley, 117 Stoke Road, which we've said, occupied by Miss E. H. Russell and her sister, Mrs. Merritt. Both were at home when the engine fell through the house, wrecking three bedrooms, one on the ground floor. Miss Russell was in the kitchen preparing lunch and a glass of the rear windows hurtled past her amidst the rushing sound of a shower of tile fragments, or so it says. And uh, it talks about a score of children were at play near the model boat pool in the park across the way and they ran in fright to Mr WT Constable, a park keeper, who earned the thanks of parents by reassuring the little folk. You get a lot of that in, in newspaper reports during the war, of mm. this whole thing of, you know, nasty things happen, but it's going to be all right type of thing, and there's a lot of people... A bit of reassurance. Yeah, that reassurance. You get a lot about that, certainly, through there. Um, a good friend of mine now, of course, now, the, sadly, the late Bernard Park, um, he, his, his comments uh, that we published in the book, he said, I was about seven at the time, and as most small boys did then, I was standing at the gate of our house in Ardmore Avenue, so that's uh, in sort of Stoughton area, mm. uh, watching the fighter planes flying overhead. Suddenly, two planes collided. There was a deafening bang. A cloud of what seemed like steam engulfed the planes, which then started to disintegrate against the blue sky. Shortly after, I visited Stoke Park where the planes and their pilots came down. Most of the park was by then cultivated by allotments. The pilots did not have time to use their parachutes and their bodies left an impression of their shape in the ground. Today, I suppose it would be quite upsetting to a small child, but this was war and, as children, we knew little else. Which is quite upsetting in itself, really, mm. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, and so... The oak tree that we're, we're talking about, Bernard, um, certainly brought me here. Um, we actually came here with a, a party of school children to, to, who were learning about the Second World War yeah. a few years ago now, of course. And uh, he recalls that this is the area pretty much where most of the debris was mm. was actually uh, but this, scattered around. This bit wasn't cultivated. This no, bit was... no. The, from the aerial photograph I've got, we can behind us we can see the college, and the, the photograph comes looks across this way with mm. the college in the front. And it was probably from where the next bit of the ridges, by where we can see those goalposts, is where the allotments took place. Right. They, were, they were beyond there. So yeah, so this this was still a playing area. Yeah. Word, so people were around. Well, I think that was the thing because you know you've got to keep morale up. Again, we, we yeah, talk about yeah. with with people uh, places where they can come for a walk to exercise and so on. You know, we're of course lucky. As we know, yeah. Lucky in Guildford, we've got a lot of open spaces yeah. really. But uh, that was very important. There's an aircraft coming over now, actually. I don't know what that is. It's obviously a prop-driven craft. We'll put that down as a sign, I think. 
I don't think we're expecting a fly pass today, but just better hear it. I left David behind now and made the short drive to Brookwood Military Cemetery, a Commonwealth War Graves Commission site, to find the grave of Flying Officer de Kretzer. Now we know that uh, Philip Charles Price, the other pilot that died, was cremated uh, in Manchester fairly soon after the crash. But more locally, Dirk Bertram de Kretzer is buried here in Brookwood and his gravestone just reads Flying Officer D.B. de Kretzer, Pilot, Royal Air Force, 17th of April 1943, age 20. Many thanks to David Rose, who tells me that the book we mentioned, Guildford The War Years, 1939-45, to is sadly no longer in print, but copies can occasionally be found on eBay. I have to say that it really does give a good snapshot of the town at the time. Lots of great photographs and many personal recollections of places and events. I'm glad I already have my copy. If you'd like to hear the rest of our walk, keep an ear open for it on the Walks Through Time podcast, coming soon. Now, at the Wings Museum, we are always keen to point out that it is important to remember the peoples of all the nations that were involved in the Second World War. Not just the British, not just the Allies, but also the Germans. Hi, my name's Chris Goss. I'm here at Bentley Priory uh, talking about the Luftwaffe bombing campaign against mainland Great Britain in the Battle of Britain. Now, as you said in that uh, talk, it's a little bit unusual as an ex-member of the RAF to be looking at it from a Luftwaffe perspective. Is, is this sort of something you've done for a long time and you said you started as a teenager? Yeah, always been interested uh, ever since finding a crashed Heinkel 111 two miles down from our house. Uh, and for me it's always been interesting because you know, being ex-RAF myself, they were the enemy, but at the same time they were meticulous record keepers and meticulous photographers, so it makes my job much easier. <laughs> Presumably by the time you were flying, they were colleagues within NATO. <laughs> yes, I can remember, yep, that's yeah. true. I mean, and you, you've spoken to these people. I mean, what kind of stories have they shared with you over the years? Uh, incredible stories, frankly, uh, and I now do regret that I didn't ask more about their experiences when they were prisoners of war. My main interest was flying against Britain and being shot down and taken prisoner. So the, the German perspective, as time has moved on and sort of from back in the war, I mean, what have we learnt from that about say, the Battle of Britain? Um, the Battle of Britain is very difficult, actually. It was, you know, I don't think there's ever, ever been anything like it, and there will be anything like it again. You know, a massive army and air force up against us. Uh, we've been pushed back. Um, they were quite successful. Um, and, of course, if it wasn't for the Royal Air Force, the fighter command pilots and the ground crew that supported them and the people who were manufacturing and repairing aircraft, um, we wouldn't be here today. Presumably, once the Germans had crashed here, you say about being prisoners of war here, I mean, were they treated as, as equals, as officers, or were they treated as the enemy and nothing more? No, they, were, they had to, under the Geneva Convention, had to be treated correctly. Uh, officers uh, went, went to one prisoner of war camp, uh, non-commissioned air crew went to another prisoner of war camp. But in nine, January 1941, they were all shipped across to Canada, which made it very, very difficult to escape from. And in fact, only one German pilot successfully escaped during the whole war. So was that one of the reasons they were running out of people, that we did that little bit better? Um, 
Well, it's not a case of we did better. Things started developing. As I said, necessity is the mother of invention, and the best way to get things going is a war. Uh, the Germans were technically advanced, uh, but we paid catch-up, and of course it was assisted by America coming into the war in 1941. Because these people aren't around anymore, I mean, you, you say records. What, what kind of records are, are out there? Well, um, you've got the National Archives, uh, you've got the Bundesarchiv in Germany. Um, there are, you know, still ways of means of getting hold of these things. And, you know, I've been collecting now for the past 40 years, so I have quite an archive, which is, uh, makes things a little bit easier for me. You've written lots of books on the subject. I mean, any, any specific things that you'd prefer to concentrate on? Um, no, not really. Um, I've recently started doing books, photo books of uh, RAF. Uh, combat aircraft, RAF aircraft of the 70s and 80s and of course there's a lot of more people around who flew on those, who worked on those, who, or whose relatives uh, flew or worked on those and there's a lot more interest I'm finding now um, but there's always going to be an interest in the Second World War. Exactly, I mean it, presumably the, the Falklands and things, you presumably missed the Falklands, you didn't miss the Falklands? Uh, no, I wasn't actually involved, I actually spelt the whole Falklands War at the German airbase at Jeva in northern Germany uh, supporting the technical leadership program and every evening when uh, Argentinian aircraft had been shot down uh, it was a case of drinks for the RAF every night so it was quite an interesting time. So, quite an unusual perspective then, was it, was it just RAF or were there Germans in that sort of group as well, in Germany presumably? No, it was a German airbase and these were German pilots and navigators but there were also Italians and Americans there at the same time as well. Chris Goss's many books often focusing on Luftwaffe aircraft and pilots, are available from all of the usual places, published by Pen and Sword. As always, to keep up to date with what is going on at the museum, take a look at the Wings website, wingsmuseum.co.uk.